welcome to the Double Disillusionist. I'm Dom Knight, Andrew P. Street. Hello to you from the main streets of Adelaide. Indeed. Well, the main streets of, of about an hour out of Adelaide down the Florio Peninsula. Which, Sounds which mean. In many ways, meaner. A lot meaner. They're, 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 they're narrower for a start. Adelaide has notoriously wide streets. Mm, These ones are kind of narrow country roads. Uh, some of them aren't even sealed. That's how mean they are. So you're they, not they in have strudel kangaroos on them. country, are you? You're in the, I, strudel, the Strudel Hills. Well, I, I wish I was in the Strudel Hills. That, that'd be quite nice right now. We're, we're right right down near the beach. It's it's, uh, it's it's civilized times. Civilized times. Now, if you want civilized times, of course, the place to be next week is Giant Dwarf in Sydney because we're doing this whole thing live. Andrew's going to report back from Adelaide, see how the wind power's coming along. Uh, we have excellent guest Mark Humphreys from. Uh, formerly the roast, currently the feed. Chaser Quarterly is going to be there. Very funny man indeed. And Andrew, the amazing Van Batham, recently of Q and A. She will be up from from Melbourne. She, will, I believe, she's in Sydney for uh, for all about women. Which uh, again, if you can get tickets to anything, you're you're luckier than I am because damn near everything is sold out now. Uh, so it will be a a roller coaster ride of awesome people. Seven thirty uh, on the seventh of March at Giant Dwarf. Tickets from Giant Dwarf. Dot com dot au. We're going to do this uh, monthly, basically. Basically, the first Tuesday of each month is the plan at the stage, Andrew. And uh, if people come along, we'll keep doing it. So uh, bear that in mind, and um, you'll hear it here next week. Some of that show, uh, Andrew. Hell of a lot happening this week, really. Too much. Too much is happening, if you ask me. As the wheels continue to fall off the Turnbull government, or at least Tony Abbott, but then he was back, or was he returned? <laughs> Corey Bernardi? I don't know. Uh, George Christensen is whipless today. A sorry sight to see. Andrew P Street, this is killing me. What's going on? Look, and this is heartbreaking that, that George Christensen has has dropped his whip because, uh, as as I believe every red blooded Australian is aware, his uh, his memorable photo shoot for was it uh, was it the Weekend Australian? Or they, I I can't I, feel, I can't remember. I feel for, good for weekend. One of the two. One of the good two. Weekend. It was. It was, it was one of the one of the metropolitan newspapers supplements of him with uh, showing off his tat, wearing his singlet, showing his whip, and I feel it just it loses the important element because of uh, of course Mr. Christensen has decided that being a loose cannon himself makes him a very poor choice of person to uh, ensure that the rest of the nationals adhere to a party line, which he is increasingly unhappy with adhering to which is sort of fair enough um it's it's not a great look for the nationals though to have the whip say i would like me to be someone else's problem <laughs> yes um, yes i would rather be the person who causes the need for good whipping rather than the, the person responsible for that so that's going on the wa election is coming up it could be a turnbull's waterloo or mutiny or mutoni who knows? And the puns are just endless. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. Very nice. Very oh, nice, that, I've got nice. to credit that to Chris Kennett on Twitter. And then uh, the polls, 55-45. <laughs> for someone who was elected because news poll was bad for his predecessor, that's looking a little hairy. Well, Quite it's, like it's George also... Christensen in that photo. <laughs> God, I'm ne I'll never sleep again. Uh, it, it's also a problem, of course, for Turnbull because, uh, as, as I think anybody who is likely to listen to this podcast would be aware the whole uh lousy news poll uh results thing was the 
basically the entire argument for yeah, yeah uh, the, the Temple impetus, to take over, as he would say, because it sounds kind of Latinate. Indeed, and the and now, onus. of course, as as we discovered with the uh, with the doorstop, uh, was it today or yesterday? I can't remember. Wait, sorry, I, I'm 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 with my family down in Adelaide at the moment, and so You're all, in Adelaide. all the hours no. are blending one into the other. Come on, Andrew, you've, you've got to own this political guru thing. You've gone to South Australia to single-handedly examine what's happening with the renewable power there. The, the allegations have been flying around. You're, you've gone to the source. You've gone to an this average South Australian home to investigate whether or not they have adequate power. I've also figured, you know, while I was here, I'd sort of just, you know, check out uh, how, how Bob Day was doing, just just catch up, make oh, sure that, you Bob. know, he still, he still had a roof over his head or, or, or a roof over Corey Bernardi's head. Because his family finally first at last... Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yes. Sorry, going back to to Turnbull. Uh, now, of course, pretty much every interview he does and every doorstop he does, no matter what he's talking about, the questions are how many more news polls until you get replaced as leader. So he's kind of created a rod for his own back in this. Except that uh, Tony Abbott, with his brilliant foray, brilliant return to national politics, showing the great command of nuance and policy detail that. He was known for as Prime Minister. He has provided Turnbull an exit to that argument because as soon as the, the timing of his uh, intervention was such that Turnbull can simply say, well, Abbott, it was, it was all Abbott. It was the, the reason why we're 10 points behind. Entirely, Tony, if he'd shut up, we'd probably be ahead. <laughs> Nobody well, believes that. But, you know, maybe it's the extra 1%. Uh, down well, I, I, do li- I do like how this, this seems to be based on the idea that Tony Abbott's comments last week are responsible for the trend of the last six months. That, yeah. that, that seems seems a long bow to draw. We knew um, what he I, was going to say when he <laughs> said it. Well, the best part was actually I, I found on Monday when sort of my, my you know, my Facebook memories came up. Oh, wow. And the very first thing That's that creepy. came up was a column, yep. column I had written a, a year ago uh, in which... Uh, sort of following Bill Shorten admonishing uh, Malcolm Turnbull for failing to control his backbench after a, uh, a spray from Tony Abbott in the media. And I was just like, you know, the more things change, it's nice to finally have a few things in the, in the, in the roly-poly sort of uh, fuzzy-wuzzy free-for-all that is uh, Australian politics. It's nice to have something to rely on. And, yeah. and apparently something to rely on is that the year will will dawn crisp and bright with Tony Abbott trying to destabilize Malcolm Turnbull. I mean, it this, is fabulous. This could he still comes, be the last the last year of it. It could be. He comes out. He does a reset. He uh, attempts to to set the course for the year while, and then immediately a lone man uh, on a kayak comes out, or a, 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 a an aqua <laughs> bicycle or something comes out and and just just derails it. Well, I suppose a gust of wind, a gust of of wind from the from the northern beaches comes and tries to knock him over. It is bizarre. And we are seeing the same patterns, of course, recurring in Australian politics with just weird consistency. And what, what we're seeing now is Tony Abbott's desperate attempt to become Kevin Rudd because he knows he knows that if the party get desperate enough, if the polls are bad enough, no matter what they think of him, the party will return potentially to him as their saviour in an election campaign, which he will nevertheless lose, and in his political career. So he might get another two months as Prime Minister. That's what he's going for at this point. I don't understand, Tony, but then again, I never did. 
It does seem did. like a like a very interesting strategy because I mean the the one thing that you can say for Labour with Rudd was that they were under no illusions when they rolled when, when Gillard was replaced by Rudd mm. that they were going to win the 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 whole job they were quite blunt about this at the time the whole the whole job that they were expecting of Rudd was to was to save the furniture. It was well, to try and turn, turn a, a, a devastating win. loss into a reasonable loss. And I think I think Rudd thought he had it. There was a bit, wasn't there one or two news polls where he was actually looking like he was ahead. And the thing was, he was popular. You know, like Turnbull used to be ages ago. Mm. The, the polls remember were saying that, at the time, Rudd, Rudd and him. Turnbull are the guys. We want to see these two squaring off because it was so so edifying last time. That was what we wanted <laughs> as, a, as a nation. And Abbott's never been popular. And, and now he's alienated his own colleagues at the, at the point where Matthias Corman comes out and says that you're being self-indulgent, which in, in Matthias Corman land, that is basically flagellate yourself with a whip until you bleed. That's a, No one can be self-indulgent on Matthias's watch. That's not how he rolls. No, look, the, the, the age of self-indulgence is over, I believe. Oh, of course. Was, was, was Matthias's, uh, uh, the, the, the implication he was getting out there. And of course, I mean, Abbott does have what's been rather adorably coined the deplorables his little uh, text message group which, which doesn't even have the good grace to be the monkey pod that was that was uh, at least original who, the monk the monkey pod uh, original and kind of like you imagine them all scratching themselves and eating bananas <laughs> or eating eating chocolate cake made by peter credlin as i believe was, uh, that's uh, was, true actually was one of the things because if uh, you want a cake just get a woman to make it that's the that's the deal <laughs> well, yeah look it, that that was, was a genuine Tony's landlord at the time. That's true. That was a genuine insurgency that was going on, and but people keep dropping out of it. However, there is one person, one person in this um, in the parliament whose whose love of Tony burns strong. Besides Tony, and that is Corey Bernardi, who's issued the invitation for Tony Abbott to just pick up, come and join his fringe weirdo party. How lovely! What a what a kind thing that was. What a what a what a thoughtful offer, and and done sort of was it via Sky News? It was it was certainly done done oh, via yeah. the media rather than say you know an email or a text message or a, a fruit basket, which I think would have sure. been, would have been nice. Corey popped and, straight up on Sky News congratulating Tony Abbott on his manifesto, the five point lack of plan that um <laughs> that he said was absolutely perfect for the for the liberals in their new era. The only problem was he's not a liberal. So the one person who loved it was the one person who is now entirely <laughs> irrelevant to that process. Well, there was, there was actually one point. I, I don't know whether I missed something, and, and, and if you're able to, uh, to, to shine a light on, on, on what exactly uh, Tony was getting at, that would be great, because I have tried to work out what the, the, the fifth point was, which was to reform the Senate. Hmm. I, I don't I've, understand what it was that he was actually proposing. Cause I read an article if, on this very point for, for news.com.au, and if you go and read it, it you probably won't be any the wiser. But, um, <laughs> no, th- this is a very bizarre business because this was this was the point that, to me, demonstrated that he'd learned absolutely nothing from his time as Prime Minister. I mean, we, we knew that already, but the idea that he was going to reform the Senate essentially suggested that he thought the Australian people would be on board with the coalition if they promised to strip away the one thing that was stopping a new Tony Abbott prime ministership from doing the things that wanted to do. So he, in his mind, the problem was that the Senate wouldn't let him 
implement the 2014 budget that essentially killed off his prime ministership in a slow death. That that was the really weird thing. I, I think the reform he wants, Andrew, is to um, have it so that anything knocked back twice or something like that goes to a joint sitting of both houses. So in other words, the Senate can be overridden. I think that's the plan right. he wants. But if that were the case, 2013 Tony Abbott would have been able to do whatever he wanted. And in essence, his unfettered instincts basically cost him the job. So any fettering on his instincts... I would have thought he'd be pretty keen to embrace at this point in his career. Yeah, I, I think I think some 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 fetting is definitely uh, definitely call for. But see, see, that's what I thought he was getting at. But th- wouldn't that require? Isn't that in that would require constitutional change? Would it? Would it not? If I, to, oh, I think so. To, uh, to to bring in a um, a joint sitting for any any piece of legislation that you decided to throw a tantrum about. Yeah, that I mean, one. given that that's currently what happens after a double dissolution for the bill, yeah. which they didn't bother with, might one note, um, this time around, yeah, that presumably that could only happen because it would change the actual process by which laws are passed and mm. sent to the Governor-General for a sense. So, yeah, I think he's just blithely <laughs> planning to change the Constitution uh, to get rid of the Senate. And um, well, well, if you're going to do that, I mean, why, why stop it? I mean... If you're going to suggest something crazy and impossible, like that you will be able to successfully hold a referendum in order to give give government less checks on its own power, yes, noting that all referenda have to all referenda have to go have to go through the Senate in the first mm. place before they can be held. Yes, precisely. So, I mean, why why not? Why not demand that you know he be made sort of emperor king, or that he be just just granted so, the power? That's all he ever life. wanted. Just a just a humble <laughs> knight of the, of the order of just Australia, a knight of the realm, a knight of the realm is is that maybe we should just do that. Can, can we all chip in and get him a knighthood? Would that would that oh, settle sure. him down? Do you think? In my family, we're we're knights. We can marry him in somewhere. I don't know. No, exactly. I, I just think all he ever <laughs> wanted was the captaincy. I think if we could if we could somehow create. A position of um, emeritus captain of Team Australia. This is the thing <laughs> that's been holding him off leaving Parliament. Oh this God. is what we've. If if we could simply, I mean, he wouldn't take the ambassadorships that were being rumoured, the the UK one, which is now rumour has it being prepared for George Brandis, uh, and before time, that's a whole other issue. Um, yes, mm. if we if we could simply have him being emeritus captain of Team Australia and in charge of picking the Prime Minister's eleven, it could be the Team Australia captain's eleven, and. Yeah. Um, he would probably like be a baggy perfectly cap of some sort. There would be there'd be a baggy green. Uh, I think he'd be pretty happy with that. I think everyone mm-hmm. could be a winner. Maybe maybe we've been looking at this all wrong. Maybe maybe we we need to to uh, to, to stop mocking and, and, and start pitying and, and and really really just bring something to Tony that, that he clearly clearly needs a little security blanket in the form of a a meaning, meaningless sinecure. Just give uh, the guy. A little something back. He's given his 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 hours, his blood, sweat, and toil to to the community. Mm. I, I think I think the captain team Australia emeritus would definitely do the polypedal probably most of the year. Uh, be doing the polypedal because going out and, and chilling with indigenous communities and then cutting the trip short that'd be he, he enjoyed that. What else did he enjoy as prime mm. minister? Not much. Uh, just being negative about stuff. I, I think if he just we're allowed to get up yeah. and say that things were bad in a, in, with three, three words like this. He's not so good at the, yeah. at the suggesting ideas, but he's wonderful on why uh, ideas are bad. He's, it's always been a forte of his. 
So also a Sky News gig is, is basically what you're saying. But yeah. I, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't do that. I mean, if, you know, Mark Latham's got one, so obviously the, yeah. you know, the, the, the bar isn't high. It could be called the Captain's so, Knock. The Captain's oh, Knock. Peter Credlin Captain's could, knock. could come in and, and, and work out what he meant, as, as usual, and, and inter- <laughs> interpret it. And the Captain would, would crop up and it would be constantly on rotation in the gyms of Parliament House. Perfect. And he'd regularly do it from country towns with um, on his bike tour, and Paul Murray would 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 turn up to uh, to be his vice captain. I think <laughs> this could work. Now, of course, this is this is all predicated on on him not suddenly becoming prime minister again after the West Australian elections, because oh, there is yes. a lot there is a lot of uh, of of whispering going on that. The, the the WA election is going to be kind of the the an, an indication of just how imminent a challenge is going to be. If for some reason the Barnett government managed to scrape back into power with their excellent, carefully thought out deal with One Nation, a party who vehemently opposes the privatisation agenda, which is the backbone of their entire budget, um, then Turnbull might be able to survive a little bit longer. Well, but you if, say if it that. turns into a labor a labor route, the uh, the the rumors are that, that, that things will happen uh, brutally fast. Let me let me just uh, refer you, Andrew. I know this will mean you've got to write another book, so you might as well start making notes. Uh, whenever a <laughs> prime minister falls, APS picks up the pen. That's just the way that it works in this country. This is uh, true. I, I turn as I so often do to the wisdom of the West Australian. Uh, which yesterday morning um, had an article, Abbott Outburst, blamed for poll slide. Um, Labor's opened up a 10-point lead over the coalition as voters desert the government for one nation. Uh, and nearly all of the government MPs from the Prime Minister down are blaming Abbott for what happened. Um, so, in essence, they're suggesting rather optimistically that one one brief, foolhardy intervention from Abbott will have cost the West Australian election. I think the polls have been showing Labor was going to win for a very long time. Do you really think... I mean, the the, the issue is, and this comes on to something we'll discuss next week at Giant Dwarf, if not if not uh, Turnbull, and we can assume not Abbott, he'll be off being captain uh, emeritus, then, then whom? There is one name that is doing the rounds, Andrew, and you've written about this this week. I, I have indeed. The... It, it's... There are times when, when, when sort of you you look at your uh, you look at the media you you sort of watch the th- the threads as they as they weave into a uh, in, into a glorious and horrific tapestry, and it suddenly occurs to you that it probably will be Peter Dutton as our next prime minister if if indeed there is a challenge he will be this generation's Billy McMahon the uh, a man of rare incompetence put into a position he can't possibly win uh and and presumably heralding some sort of uh dynastic labor situation as per whitlam but the um the idea that peter dutton is kind of the really the only man standing and 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 the thinking here is along the lines of he's supported by the right he's supported by the nationals he's a queenslander so he's He's got a, f- a foot in each camp, yeah, as a, yeah. a, technically as a member of the L- LNP. Um, he is 
you know, he hated people who weren't rich and white before it was cool. Oh, yeah. So he was, he's kind he was, of got that one nation. Didn't he boycott people. the apology? I mean, that was pretty radical did, back in 2007. He did boycott the apology to the Stolen Generation. He's oh. the, if I'm not mistaken, he's the only current parliamentarian who did. Almost everybody else has either um, sort of left parliament in the case of Dennis Jensen or passed away in the case of Don Randall or been kicked comprehensively to the curb in the case of Sophie Mirabella. So twice. there's, um, the, twice indeed. So mm. there's, I think Dutton is the last, the last representative of that brave band of people who felt that saying sorry for decades and decades of official, uh, cultural genocide might be a nice move. So, so it's, you it's, know, so, so again, before it was cool. Yeah. If the current government is looking for a Trump, of their very mm. own. Um, and I'm he's gonna, wonderfully I'm gonna... inarticulate when he speaks, which, I, I, again, you know, kind of captures, I, I think, a lot of the charm of Hanson and Trump is, well, I don't know. is that when they speak, you're no clearer as to what was going on, but you just feel angry. Well, that's certainly true. But look, I, the thing about Dutton is that, I mean, Donald Trump and, to a lesser degree, Pauline Hanson, they are media delights, really. I mean, the, the Pauline Hanson was on Dancing with the Stars, she may have a little to say, but breakfast television and so on tend to very much enjoy her work, whereas Donald Trump is a, is mm. a past master of, um, of, of media charisma. Indeed. Has, has Dutton missed, missed I, I the, the reality think, television? Quote? I don't think the Dutster has left people who've been lucky enough to have him on their programs wanting more. And indeed, wasn't he the very man who was concealed for much of the last election because this whenever he got out this and is, said anything, it was absurd. And, this and is true. And, 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 and our, our previous guest, Lee Zachariah, went to the electorate of Dixon. He did. Specifically to find him and ended up putting up uh, putting up wanted posters. Have he you seen this man? He went on a dut hunt. <laughs> and it, you are on pun fire today, my friend. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it, it, so I can understand why Peter Dutton will think Peter Dutton's the go I, and bearing in mind of course kevin andrews will have a crack just because he's kevin andrews um <laughs> but, I mean, can we start calling him kevin bloody andrews it was used in a yeah, cartoon that's actually pretty good and 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 i'm really annoyed that i hadn't thought of it first because kevin was, 17 um... <laughs> oh, oh my god kevin 17 yeah, i'm gonna make a t-shirt oh that's we gotta make a t-shirt here. So look, dear listeners, start tweeting. Yeah, yeah, yes, Kevin Seventeen. That's a hashtag. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet that later. Um, yeah, look, I I kind of get why Dutton kind of rises to the top like the cream when there isn't any other cream at the end of the jar. Um, but is this a realistic proposition? I I cannot imagine even this despairing coalition dumping their Prime Minister seven months after an election. I mean, that would be... I know we've had a revolving door before, but I mean, that would be a whole other level of revolving door to someone who, so far, seems unpopular with everybody. No? And somebody who, who probably more so than any other sitting parliamentarian, could be guaranteed to get stuck in a revolving door. <laughs> the, I mean, one possibility that keeps, that keeps getting thrown around, and I think it's more sort of wishful thinking slash rare sort of sign of general competence is, of course, uh, Julie Bishop, who is the deputy leader of the Liberals, no. and you you would think no. would be 
would be there, but there's no way that, that they would elect a woman who who knifed well, a two woman sitting prime ministers. No. Well, well, the thing is, it depends on on the the, the argument that I've I've seen put around is that both Labor and and the Liberal Party do have a uh, a pretty solid track record of putting women in place when they're facing a uh, an unwinnable election. So it wouldn't be entirely out of the question. But um, but I do think that the the bishop does uh, well, doesn't Samantha, really have the the, the the support certainly of the right. I would have thought Samantha Maiden thought that it would be Dutton post the defeat um, that that they've currently they're currently heading for in twenty nineteen. I mean, this, it is bizarre how early this is. I mean, if the coalition hold it together, and it's a big if at this point, given how quickly they're shedding. Um, Internal skeptics, but they don't need to do anything. There's, you can have two years of crappy polls and then go and win. This is the, mm. the weird thing, and yet they're they're said to be panicking and and again not learning from what's going on. Well, I think there's also that the 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 problem that they're facing, and this was kind of the same problem I think Gillard had, is at a certain point everybody just assumes that the narrative is true, whether or not mm. you know. Turnbull does have a chance to kind of uh, to, to reassert his leadership and, and to go on and win an election. Now the assumption is he's going to be rolled. The question is when, yeah. and that and that whoever comes into the to the to the hot seat is going to lead the party to a stonking great defeat. It is and weird I, though, isn't I, I mean, and I think that's probably true because I damned if I can think of anybody who who could reunite the Liberal Party, let alone reunite the Liberals and the Nationals, let alone. See off the threat of one nation, let alone recolonise the the currently vacant centre of politics uh, that, oh, yeah, that Labor have pretty yeah. much got to themselves. No, that's, so they don't want, they wouldn't want to do that. That'd be crazy to, to actually appeal to people who might actually vote for them and give them a majority in their own right. No, look, I mean, well, no, they're, they're going to pursue the uh, the Australian Liberty Alliance. You know, two thousand. <laughs> the, the 2,000 votes that Kiralee Smith got for the Australian Liberty Alliance, that's what they're it's going to be start, concentrating Andrew, all on. <laughs> it's a start. Um, it is a start. I mean, Christian Porter's the man who is spoken about as the next generation leader on on competence grounds. I don't know if that's... I, I think he'd be mad to try and throw something in the ring this early. Oh, but, absolutely. But the, I mean, the, the, the point is, John Howard, on several occasions, was behind in the polls for several years and pulled a, a, a victory out. So did I mean, Paul Keating once, at least. Mm. And it's just weird that we can't can't even tolerate a year of being behind in the polls. I mean, Turnbull won when it mattered. He won the election. So it does seem very odd. that I mean, clearly the best way for the government to actually get re-elected is to, is to be competent and achieve things and actually rack up victories but they seem they seem incapable of getting all their horses in a row so to speak and, and actually doing that it's very strange the competence the is the only that, reason to re-elect a government there's no other basis for it well the things that they're doing are also like the the the, the, the successful legislation that they're passing is in general very unpopular i mean the the fact that they are sticking tenaciously to this idea of the com- company tax cuts, which are mm. which are, are almost now a totemic issue for them, it's because odd, isn't it? when you combine that with things like the their enthusiastic support of the Productivity Commission's 
slashes uh, slashing of Sunday penalty rates. There's no real way to spin this as oh when when we're not embarking on a class war here. You would think that at the very very least they would stop talking about the tax cuts as though you know they they were a uh, a solution to the country's ills because by their own numbers they're not. They they can't put together a strong argument in favour of them, and yet they keep bringing it up. And right now, it's a terrible time to be bringing it up because well, it just and the makes CFM horribly out of touch are going to war. The union movement, as we know, have deep pockets. I mean, Turnbull, despite his one point seven million dollar donation, has been complaining for years about the pockets of the union war chest. <laughs> That's about to be unleashed, and it's about to be unleashed a long way out from an election. So unless the tactic is to try and wear them down and and turn them broke over a long period of time, I, I don't get what they're doing but then i haven't been able to understand what they're doing for ages and ultimately you've got to conclude that they don't know what they're doing they have um civil wars that have paralyzed them to the point where they can't come up with with policies i mean johnny howard must be looking at them and just despairing he, he tried to to mix the you know the the social conservatism with the economic um hardline rationalist stuff managed to do both but turnbull at this point's really heading for neither it's completely bizarre we should look at labor though andrew um just in who was sitting pretty but it's worth looking at the other side here I and mean, what happens for them if they win um win in wa is, is this the will this put more wind in their sails are they are they is bill shorten going to become even more insufferable i would say well, probably yeah i it's going to be i mean that to I, I hate I hate saying this because it sounds so cynical, but it's painfully true. You know, elections aren't you know, elections aren't won; they're lost. And and so a, a win for Labor will be good for Labor, but more importantly, it'll be good for Labor because it makes it look like the gut, like the uh, the Liberal Party are losing control left and right, which is you know as, as we we've as we've been rabbiting for the last ten minutes is very much. The narrative that's going around at the moment, anyway. So, I mean, a win for Labor will will mean that New South Wales is the only state with a with a Liberal government, with a non-Labor government, more accurately. Mm. And how quickly the know, that's, the board that's turns a, back? Well, yeah, it's it's a and it's a difficult it's it's difficult to spin it as being somehow disconnected. I mean, the the argument that always happens and we, we saw this in queensland with um and, and victoria mm. uh, with abbott sort of saying oh no 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 no, no. the you know, state state elections are uh are, are won entirely on um on on state issues that but isn't it nice that, that tony abbott has a federal. legacy that goes beyond the two years of, of all these labor governments <laughs> that will last for ages <laughs> this is true well I, well I do remember the fact that sort of all of the state governments that, uh, sorry, all the state elections that the Liberals lost were purely about state issues, whereas the New South Wales government, which the, the, the Liberal government of Mike Baird won, that was a clear endorsement of the Abbott agenda. So the, the, it's, it's interesting how, how these things work. Oh, this is, we're in a very strange place. Finally, Andrew, um, the notion that, uh, nationally speaking, one nation are now where the Greens are, 10% each, and... Um, <clears throat> We may well see ourselves in a position increasingly where One Nation and the coalition expand to be a sort of broader, even unholier union uh, than, than when Labor get in bed with the Greens. 
is this something that's going to continue? Are they going to grow from 10%? I mean, I, I keep saying that I don't think Australia actually wants to endorse Hansenism uh, and, and all of the xenophobia that, that that entails. But then I remember that I don't think most Trump supporters liked that stuff, but they went for him anyway because he was different and a maverick and engaging. Well, I mean, I mean, the problem that One Nation are going to face is, is kind of the same problem that the Greens face, which is that if you're a party of protest, if, if, part, if a lot of your appeal is that you are not business as usual politics, it's extremely difficult to grow to a size where you're potentially business as usual politics. Mm. And so, so I, I, I find it hard to imagine a way that One Nation, even assuming that One Nation can stick, can, you know, stay cohesive and uh, not completely crumble into massive bitter infighting the way that they have every other time that they've tried to do anything, partially because of the sort of personalities that are attracted to candidacy for One Nation. Just on a practical level, I can't see how they could get much bigger without sort of themselves losing the, that kind of you know, maverick support angle to other groups like, I don't know, the, the Australian Liberty Alliance, for example. It seems so, amazingly dumb to me for, for the coalition, as Tony Abbott suggested, to go after those voters because surely the cost of going after those voters is losing the centre and you're much better off letting them capture whatever the lunar fringe is if it's 10%. And they get the preferences. While yeah. look, I mean, we've said this before. It, it, I don't know what they're thinking. It's nothing. Well, that's, that's it. Get I mean, you keep the moral high ground of of not being, you know, a crazy racist, whilst getting all the votes of the crazy racists. How and, did and it very the, well? You know, yeah, you used a little well, bit of um, chest beating um, rhetoric on Tampa without having to endorse one nation and, and read that. they've learnt nothing from their hero. They've learnt. Why do they learn nothing from their from their demigod, Andrew? <laughs> it's very strange. Well, it's because everybody is, is, is so busy talking about how how no matter what faction they're in and, and no matter sort of what craziness they're espousing, that they're they're the true the true heirs of the party of Menzies. And no. they forget that there have been other people since. The tr- it's well, gonna the- be very interesting the way that yeah. the West Australian deal yeah, absolutely. plays out Imagine and the way West that- Australia being interesting. It's wonderful. Um yeah, but the, also the idea that keeps coming back is that Menzies called it the Liberal Party because he didn't want it to be a Conservative Party. He wanted Precisely, it to actually yeah. transform society. Yeah, look, I don't think Tony There's Abbott's an excellent piece of the, of the conversation on this at the moment. Um, I, I can't remember who wrote it, but who, who made the point that, you know, f- for for all of the uh, the, the chest beating about, about Party of Menzies... There's a ton of stuff that, that Menzies did that would be absolutely unrecognisable as being the modern Liberal Party. For oh, one yeah, thing, wouldn't, he was wouldn't deeply, deeply protectionist. Yep, yep. Well, we're heading back there again. That's certainly the case. Oh, that's true. All right. Well, Andrew... God, maybe One Nation are the, are the true party of Menzies. Oh, gosh. I'm sure they think White they Australia. Hey, makes sense. Well, I, I did enjoy it when um, Clive was trying to be the United Australia Party. But anyway, his Twitter <laughs> account is a question for another time. I think perhaps we should have a reading of some of his tweets at... Uh, Giant Dwarf next Tuesday night. Oh, that's a great idea. I think we should definitely do that. Yep. Because, yes, Tuesday night, friends at Giant Dwarf in Redfern. Uh, great, We'll be doing yes. this live on, yes. a, on a stage with some wine, and we will have the incomparable Van Bannum 
as, as yes. one of our uh, one of our guests up and from, the also from the southern climbs comparable because I wouldn't compare him to Van Mark Humphreys. I don't know how you would compare either uh, of them to each other. Wouldn't dare. Mark's quite tall. Van's yeah. quite short. Um, also, they'll also be brilliant. a sack of potatoes on the stage. Um, <laughs> just in case we need them. Just in case we need them. <laughs> it's going to be great. You can get tickets at giantdwarf.com.au. The uh, first part of the show will form next week's podcast, so you can enjoy it there or otherwise um, if you can't join us. But we hope you can. And, Andrew, I will see you there next week. You will. I'll be back in, in, in a... Uh in a less South Australian time zone and, um, and worse weather, I think. It's, it's really nice down here at the moment. Very hot. But, Make sure uh, you very sunny. report back on the renewables where we're counting on you. I will do. Look, I, I, I'm fairly sure that, 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 that wind power is why it's so hot. Because it's probably just, just blowing. Sure, they should put the wind turbines right outside your house. Anyway. Thanks, Eddie. Catch you next week. You will. Good times. <laughs>